Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the owner and head coach at Straight Shot Training. It's the one-year anniversary of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening over the past year. It means a lot to me when I hear that people enjoyed an episode or when I see how many times an episode has been downloaded. You know, I've gotten to interview and co-host this show with some incredible people over the past 12 months, and I've had a blast producing content for you. So thank you for being there on the other end to listen. I've got some cool interviews lined up for this upcoming week, and I'll have those episodes out shortly after. But for now, it's just me, because it's another question and answer episode. I've received so many questions from my kettlebells and ultimate conditioning classes at the Y that I've actually had to split this episode into two parts. So in this episode, I cover why sleep is important in losing weight, whether or not a Fitbit is a reliable fitness tracking gadget, and I finished with getting into the basics of hydration. Thank you all for getting in your questions to me. Let's get started. All right, so our first question is from Ashley. Ashley asks, I've never been a person that requires a lot of sleep to function. I understand that sleep helps with recovery. Why is sleep important for weight loss, and what are the drawbacks of not getting enough sleep? So we talked about this back in our sleep hygiene episode. You can go back and check that one out. And we talked about sleep and recovery, why you need that seven to eight hours. The hormonal waves that take place there to help you grow new muscle tissue or repair broken down muscle tissue from working out or from injuries, uh, how it helps you deal with stress management, things like that. But she's asking more specifically about weight loss. So we we do understand that people need different amounts of sleep. So Ashley is saying she doesn't really really require a lot of sleep to function. I think the really important word here actually is function. Well, what you can function on and what is optimal for you and your chemistry as a human exercising at the amount that you do and, and dealing with your work stress and your family life and all of the, the good and bad things that life brings at you that you have to recover from when you sleep is very different from person to person. But what is functional versus what is optimal is where we need to try to find out for ourselves. And one way to do this is to, you really have to do it on vacation because you can't do it on a normal day. You have to go to sleep and wake up without using an alarm clock. So at first, the first day you do it, because it really takes like a week, it's best to do on vacation. The first day you do it, you're going to get up about the same time you do for work. Maybe the second day, but you're going to see after that, you're going to end up getting maybe more sleep than you're used to, or maybe even less sleep. doesn't normally happen less sleep. Most people don't get enough sleep. Very rarely do we have people who get too much sleep. But let's say you're used to sleeping uh, six hours, and you can function well on that, and you go on vacation, and you don't turn alarm clock on. Every day you're waking up eight hours after the time that you went to bed. You probably need to start getting eight hours of sleep a day in order to recover from whatever you're doing during the day, uh, exercise and, and lifestyle-wise. So function versus uh, optimal is the key here. So if you do find, though, that sleeping uh, causes you, sleeping eight, seven to eight hours causes you to be more lethargic during the day or you're less focused uh, or you um, are, are hungrier, you're having trouble recovering from workouts, which I can't really see that that being a thing. But uh, you could be more lethargic and you could be uh, not as focused. That could definitely be something if you slept for too long. Because if, if you're a person who requires 
less sleep, your sleep cycles are, each person has a different sleep cycle. Yours may be uh, so uh, uh, compressed to that six hours that when you enter your seventh and eighth hour, you start entering into another sleep cycle and you're waking up in the middle of that and that's why you're waking up feeling really tired and you're having trouble staying focused because it'd be like if you woke up after four hours. Uh, for most people, though, the typical sleep cycle that you go into uh, lasts uh, between, well, however many cycles, normally two cycles you go through, is going to be seven to, to eight hours. That's why we say seven to eight hours for most people. But each person is different. Now, when it comes to weight loss, and this is more specific, specifically what her question was about, weight loss is it's as simple and as complicated as calories in and calories out, right? We've talked about that in other episodes. But what controls how many calories you burn? And what controls your hunger? And what controls your willpower to eat or to not eat the things that you're supposed to or the amount of things you're, you're supposed to? So when it comes to weight loss, sleep is, is huge. Your hunger hormones, your stress hormones that cause you to uh, store things instead of burning things, all of those go through waves when you sleep. They go up and down. And if you're sleeping at an optimal, not a functional, an optimal level, those waves will even out so that you won't be uh, so uh, all over the place with your hormones during the day that can make you uh, make it a lot harder to, to stay stuck to your diet. Um, if you are really monitoring your calories, you're watching your calories in, you're watching your calories out, and you hit a plateau, first thing I tell people is get eight hours of sleep. You may even keep those calories the same and sleep better and notice a difference. And this is coming from a person who is a firm believer in calories in and calories out, but I do understand that personal chemistry makes a difference in this and calories in versus calories out, well, we don't understand what calories out is for each person. We can get an idea of it with like Fitbits and things like that, which is our next question, but we don't know exactly how many calories we're burning. And you can actually be burning less calories throughout the day if you're getting less sleep, your metabolism functions better when you get more sleep. That's that's typically the way it goes. So I would say shoot for seven to eight hours if you're dieting and see if that makes a difference in your weight loss. Uh, if you have not changed the, your food, I doubt that eight hour, getting eight hours of sleep would make you gain weight. So there's really nothing to lose in this uh, except for maybe a couple of pounds. I would say try to get some more sleep. Uh, and then the, she's asking about the drawbacks of not getting enough sleep. Drawbacks of not getting enough sleep is you may stall in your diet. You will definitely stall in your progress when it comes to lifting weights. You will be uh, less focused at work. You will be crankier. Uh, I mean, there's a, sleep deprivation is like a, is a torture method. Like there's a reason why we're supposed to get enough sleep. But I would say in reference, Ashley, to your question about weight loss, one of the drawbacks of not getting enough sleep is poor hormonal function. And poor hor hormonal function means your body is not burning calories the way it's supposed to or burning the right fuels at the right times for the right things. So I would say if you're trying to get everything to work together optimally, you need to figure out what optimal sleep is for you. And doing that by not setting alarm uh, is a great way to do it. But if you can't, experiment with eight hours, experiment with seven hours, experiment with seven and a half hours, do whatever you need to do. And also work on your, your pre-bed routine, making sure you wind down so even though you're going to bed at 11 and getting up at 7, if you're tossing and turning until midnight, you're not getting eight hours of sleep. So uh, try to get all those things in check. I know I'm asking a lot of you, Ashley, but, but I'm saying if you're looking for a way to dial things in, 
uh, start looking at the sleep and tailoring it to what uh, your body needs. And there's only one way to do that, and that's by trying it out. Our next question is from Libby. Libby asks, how accurate is my Fitbit with heart rate monitor? I use it as a guide combined with my fitness pal for tracking food, and I feel like I'm more successful when I'm tracking that way. It's a good question. So Fitbit with heart rate monitor is not one of the most accurate heart rate monitors on a, a device. Uh, Polar and uh, I believe it's the newest, whatever the newest Garmin watches. I'm not sponsored by any of these people, and clearly I don't know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to it, but I do know that Fitbit was not in the top five when it comes to accuracy of heart rate monitors. So what does that mean? Well, it means that if you're exercising and you're trying to keep your heart rate in a certain zone, the Fitbit might not do it accurate enough for you to really dial in that training. I've done heart rate training with running before, it actually helped me get my, my PR 5K a long time ago, back when that was a concern of mine. And I was able to see, well, where am I aerobic? Where am I anaerobic? Or where am I using oxygen? Where am, when am I going so fast that my heart rate's so high that I'm not able to use oxygen fast enough? Uh, so where do I need to stay? How can I push that and be able to run this uh, 3.1 miles in the fastest amount of time that I can? So that's when you would really want an accurate uh, Fitbit monitor. Uh, or, or heart rate monitor, and don't probably don't go with Fitbit um, unless they come up with something better because there are better ones out there. Polar is my favorite. Polar works with just about every piece of gym equipment in any gym. It'll communicate with the uh, the console on your treadmill to tell you your heart rate. But um, when you're using it as a guide for calorie tracking, it's good enough. So what it's doing is it's taking the heart rate, it's using an equation based off of your gender, your weight, and, and how high your heart rate is, and it'll tell you how many calories you're burning. And you combine that with MyFitnessPal, so you're tracking your food, and then you see how many calories you're taking in versus how many calories are going out, which is the question before we talked about with, with uh, Ashley's question about uh, uh, optimal um, weight loss. Well, optimal weight loss requires tracking things, um, even if it's if more simple ways, or, or you could get into like the science of macros and stuff like that, like we did in the past, uh, or three episodes, two episodes back in those three episodes that Rebecca, Rebecca and I did on macros, we talk a lot about how you can dial things in. But using a heart rate monitor to figure out your calories and tracking your calories with your food is a really basic way to lose a good amount of weight. I mean, it's, it's calories in, calories out, right? That's how you lose weight. You can dial it in with macros and stuff like that, but the basics of it, you've got that covered. So maybe I'd say that's a great start there. Uh, you're using it with MyFitnessPal, so you are using something to track your calories coming in, you're using something to track your calories coming out, so whether or not that that thing that calcula calculates your calories burning out is super accurate or not, is kind of a moot point if you're losing weight. If you're not, um, that might be why. It might be showing that you're burning way more calories than you actually are, so if you put your food into MyFitnessPal and see, oh, I am... 400 calories short of my goal, I should probably go eat three bowls of cereal. Um, that would not be ideal if that Fitbit monitor was off. But even with the heart rate monitor being off, the calorie count is is pretty similar. Um, from what I've seen in, other, in, in people who use these, it's pretty similar to what it would be if you just estimated it using an equation. Right? So I use estimated equations when I figure out athletes' Uh, total daily energy expenditure, I, that's not 
super accurate, but it's enough for me to be able to see it. And it's enough that if you are losing weight, then you are creating a negative energy balance and that's working. If you're not losing weight, then just drop your calories a little bit. I wouldn't say buy a new heart rate monitor, just drop your calories a little bit uh, or, or get more sleep, like we said before, or adjust your macros, something like that. Uh, so it's not the most accurate thing, but it's not a terrible thing. And I think the best thing that Fitbits do for people is just makes it more makes them more conscious of what they're doing. They can see that, wow, I, I was on that treadmill for an hour and I only burned 400 calories. And it is really easy to eat 400 calories worth of Alfredo. Like something like that is, it just makes you more conscious of it. So tracking your food is one way of being conscious about what you're taking in. And tracking your calories out is one way of staying conscious of, of your intensity, your output when it comes to your calories going out. So I think both of those combined, Libby, is awesome. I wouldn't worry so much about how accurate it is unless you were trying to train for something that required you to use some heart rate training, in which case I would go with a better watch than that. Moving right along, we have two questions from Will. Uh, Will actually gave me a third topic to talk about in a future episode, which is awesome. It's going to take a whole episode just to talk about that one. Uh, but thank you, Will, for all of these ideas you're giving me. These are awesome. Uh, this one that you gave me here is going to end up being a standalone episode for sure. Will asks, what are the basics and essentials of hydration? So definitely a whole standalone episode on hydration in the future, including there's even some political stuff going on right now with hydration uh, between companies fighting with each other and some money stuff with it. And it's, it's, it's a lot of drama when it comes to hydration, but we're going to skip the drama. We're just going to get into the basics and essentials of hydration. So first things first, let's make sure you're not dehydrated. So if you're working out and you're not sweating, you probably aren't hydrated. Yeah, if your skin is red, uh, if you're getting dizzy, uh, passing out is also a sign of dehydration. Um, cramping can be, um, definitely. Uh, it's not always the cause of cramping, but that is a sign of, of dehydration. Uh, getting shivers, that's de extreme dehydration, getting into like a heat exhaustion, getting close to like, heat stroke, like red, dry skin. Um, another thing for hydration is if you pinch your skin, like skin on your arm, pinch it, and if it stays you're probably dehydrated. I guarantee like half of you just did that and you're probably fine, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty extreme when you see things like that. But we want to stay hydrated so we don't get to a point of dehydration. So the basics and essentials of dehydration, the first things we're going to talk about is just the fluid portion of it, just the water. Recommendations for water are kind of all over the place. Some people will say, just drink a gallon. Well, that's a lot for some people. It's not a lot for me and how much I sweat, but for some people, that's a lot. Other people say drink half of your body weight in fluid ounces. Well, for me, so half your body weight in pounds, drink that in fluid ounces. So I weigh 183 right now, so 91 and a half pounds is uh, half my weight. 91 and a half ounces of water. Uh, I would probably still be pretty thirsty by the end of the day if that's all I drank. So um, I would need more than that just because of how much I sweat. But some people, that might be fine. So it's hard to, to give an, uh, an other... Oh, the other thing is eight glasses of water a day, right? That was the thing that, that used to be. Well, everybody's different. And just like we talk about with sleep, each person needs to find out, well, what's, what's optimal for them when it comes to hydration, not just what can you survive on. So I would say start drinking a little bit more than you're used to and see if there's some changes made because most people do not drink enough. Start the day out with water, or uh, I 
like to get my vegetables in the morning when I by juicing. So I'll drink like 10 ounces, 10, 12 ounces of vegetable juice first thing in the morning. Uh, then on my way to work, I might sip on water or something after I eat a, a pretty gigantic breakfast. Uh, then throughout my sessions in the morning, I'm drinking. And then I'll drink a lot after lunch. I drink some during my workout. So you can see how I kind of put it out throughout the day. But what I try to do is towards the end of the day, start drinking less. So I'll drink a lot maybe after dinner. And then I'll try to not drink so much as we get ready for bed so that I don't have to be getting up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. That's a good way of kind of, of, of pacing it out uh, is, is by doing it throughout the day. You want to make sure that you are hydrated enough to get through your workout and and not so overhydrated you're constantly using the bathroom but hydration is huge when it comes to performance there is even in just a small amount of dehydration there can be up to a 10 percent uh, decrease in aerobic capacity from minimal amounts of, of dehydration i can't remember the percentage of dehydration is the amount of de- the percentage of dehydration under your optimal levels equals a 10 percent decrease in aerobic capacity but um, there's a recent study done on it and it showed that that runners who were even slightly dehydrated, their mile times uh, just tanked. So when tanked, I mean 10%, 10%, that's pretty big though. So uh, that's the the fluid end of it is just start drinking a little bit more. Take water with you when you work out, drink before you work out, take sips while you're working out, drink after. Uh, there was a, a recommendation I remember in college that, that was kind of hammered into us uh, by an old school coach, which was, uh, if you lose a pound, you drink tw- is 16 ounces. So 16 ounces for every pound loss. And even National Academy of Sports Medicine still advocates 16 ounces per pound of, of weight lost, uh, which, which can be a lot. Because uh, they're saying, well, you sweat a pound out. Well, that's not always where that went. Like you could use the bathroom during workout or something like that. Not to get gross, but you could lose weight like that in your workout. And that's not really th- stuff that you sweat out. So it's tricky. It's different for every person. I would say start drinking a little bit more. Definitely hydrate first thing in the morning. I'm talking like 12 to 16 ounces of water first thing in the morning. Uh, there's a lot of benefits of drinking cold water first thing in the morning. It helps wake you up. It helps jumpstart your metabolism. Uh, if you're trying to lose weight, more water is going to fill up your stomach, which is good. So you can drink before your meals. Uh, it also helps with digestion. Uh, so that's the, the fluid end of it. Then there's the electrolyte end of it. And here's where people go overboard with the water. They're drinking so much water that their urine is completely clear. Well, if your urine is completely clear, that means that you are probably just peeing out the water that you that you drank, that your body's not actually absorbing it. So what I started doing when I noticed that I was running a lot, I was sweating a lot, I was drinking tons of water and my urine was completely clear, I started taking a handful, of, well, a handful, I mean literally a pinch, a, a quarter of a teaspoon of salt. And we had a little salt shaker in our office, and I would finish my run, shake it into my hand, lick my hand, drink a bunch of water, and uh, actually started um, recovering from my workouts better and noticing that I was absorbing the water correctly. So you need to make sure that you get those those electrolytes in. Um, electrolytes uh, help produce uh, electrically um, an electrically conducting solution. So your body is electric, and so if you have... Uh, electrolytes in your body uh, at the right ratios, they create the solution uh, electrically that is neutral. And uh, then that sets everything up for your body to be able to to conduct electricity the way it's supposed to. But if that's thrown off, when the solution is is not neutral, uh, if there's an, a, 
a salt or an acid or a base that's, that's too high or too low throwing it off, your body doesn't function well, which is why in extreme cases, your heart can stop if you are dehydrated. So you want to make sure that you're hydrated enough with fluids because you need enough water to make the solution. And then you need the right ratio of electrolytes to make sure that uh, you uh, have this, this neutral solution that your body functions well in. So that will get covered in our hydration episode because that is way deeper than uh, I want to get into right now. And it's not something that I had the most schooling on. Um, I know enough about it to talk like we just did right now, but I'm definitely going to bring in Rebecca, uh, who's our nutritionist here at Straight Shot. I'm going to bring her in to talk about it because uh, also with her uh, coaching background for um, athletes, uh, she definitely has a, a good background in uh, in hydration. So I want to talk more electrolytes and then um, kind of uh, getting deeper into exactly what a prescription for each person for hydration looks like will. So this is definitely a future episode that we'll bring Rebecca in and get all into that. But uh, just for the basics, um, start drinking a little bit more water, drink some water around your workouts, everybody. Make sure that your urine is not completely clear because you're probably drinking too much or you're not getting enough electrolytes, in which case start salting your food and make sure that you're trying to eat some foods that are natural sources of potassium and calcium and magnesium and all the things that come from the earth. This is another good reason. Eat your fruits and vegetables, kids. That's pretty simple there. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Be sure to keep an eye out for the second part of this Q&A show where I cover breathing techniques, cardio timing, and how to deal with loose skin after weight loss. If you have a second to leave us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now, that would be awesome. And if you have a question you would like for me to answer in a future show, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram using the handle at straightshottraining to find us. If you'd like to see what we do here at Straight Shot, head over to our website, straightshottraining.com. It's our one-year anniversary this July 1st, and we're celebrating by giving you your first month of training for free. I would love for you to try out the program that I've had the pleasure of offering to so many amazing athletes of all fitness levels over the past year. The program is six workouts a week that include mobility, prehab, strength and conditioning workouts, and cool-downs, all with video demos. Plus, you get our nutritional protocol access to a private Facebook group, and a weekly Q&A live chat with me to help you make the most of your workouts. Again, the first month is free, and then just $21 a month after that. The website is straightshottraining.com, and I can't wait to have you join our crew. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week, everybody.